just want to ask you one question. What do you want to be remembered for? my lord it has been a hot minute we go away for a couple weeks to take a break after championship weekend and what happens a bunch of stuff happy to bring it to you welcome back in this is a full tilt dynasty podcast i'm your host with the most time on his hands it's tom tipple ff underscore imbq the trade guy i'm back with my two compadres my my two closest fantasy friends it's uh big billy ff and FF underscore RTDB. Gentlemen, good to hear from you again. Sure feels good. I'm one fantasy championship richer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to <laughs> that. We're going to get... Uh, Jacob, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Happy to be here. Happy to be back on the Full Tilt Dynasty Pod. First time in 2021. Yeah, first time. First time. New show. New information for everyone. Um... First off, Billy ended up beating me. So, look, when you go up against Kamara and he scores six touchdowns, you're in for a long day to begin with. But it wasn't necessarily that that sunk me. It was playing Matthew Stafford in two championship games instead of splitting the risk, playing Carr in one and Stafford in the other. And I broke my own rule, which was don't start the same QB in clutch games to, in, in multiple leagues. If you can avoid it, I broke my own rule in the championship game, and it cost me. I lost by 20 points. I lost by Carr's final point total, and it is infuriating. I'm not tilted about it at all. I'm completely over it. (sighs) Fucking Stafford and his ankle. Okay, boys, lots of stuff has changed. Lots of stuff. Is up. Congratulations, Billy, by the way. It was well done. Well played, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like one thing that has been completely lost in all this in my victory lap is that Corey Davis did, in fact, goose me in the championship. Yeah. He did, despite his best efforts, <laughs> despite Corey Davis's best efforts to fuck me one last time, <laughs> he I pulled super, it out. Uh, so when he dropped the ball, I was like, oh, this is going to give me a chance. I've got hope. But alas, no hope for me. Uh, that was, you know, we're we're moving on to Cincinnati. We're on to 21. Moving forward, I think McCaffrey's going to come back for me, and hopefully I can make it back to the big dance one more time. So it was a fun season in 2020, and we are off and running on the 2021 content. And when you might be wondering, what do you mean by that? Well... It started off with our man, Jacob, over here, uh, latching on, and I shouldn't say latching on, but signing on with uh, uh, fantasyintervention.com or uh, on Twitter. It's joinourcircle underscore. Great group of people. He got onto there, and he immediately started pumping out the content. And I mean immediately. Um, Then I hopped on, and we've we've been working – on pumping out new content, Jacob, you put out a thread on rookies that is top tier. You should definitely go and check it out on his 
Twitter account, and you can check it out on uh, fantasyintervention.com. Uh, as for myself, I do have a couple of things in the works. Not finished yet, but it's getting there. Billy, you yourself, you put out an old man's thread what to do with some of the backs that people think are broken and dead in fantasy football that might have some value depending on their landing spot. Definitely go check out Big Billy FF and you can get a peep at that. You also, Billy, have a 21 rookie uh, breakdown that you have started. The thread, I, think, I believe it came out yesterday. So that was firing off fire content. Just absolutely fantastic. Um, as I mentioned for myself, if you, if you are interested in seeing how the Ravens offense has been working, I do have a semi-short thread on how their offense has hope and why I don't think it's as big of a cluster in the passing game as people would lead you to believe. Now that I got that all that out of the way, pimping our stuff out, um, which definitely go check, like, subscribe, follow to all that stuff if you want to stay up to date. All the people at uh, fantasyintervention.com, great people. Growing, growing uh, company, website, fantastic stuff. Guys, it's this time of year where coaches start to get the boot. And we've seen big ones. We've seen big coaches. Doug Peterson, gone. See ya. He's out of here. Didn't see that one coming. I thought he was coming back for sure. I don't know if you guys saw that coming. We'll we'll get to that. But we've seen some Anthony Lynn. He's gone. Thanks for your clock management. Way to run that ball when the time's running out and you have no timeouts left. Writing was on the wall right there. There are other coaches that were interim that definitely aren't getting the job that's been made perfectly clear. Looking over at you, Atlanta. And... Lots of change is definitely coming. Some coordinators may not be coming back. We're going to be swip-swapping over. We've already got the big hire, which we will talk about, coming from the college ranks, moving up to the National Football League. So, guys, out of the coaches, which one surprised you the most? We're going to get right in. What surprised you the most? Jacob, who got axed that you took a second to think about? Yeah, it's got to be Doug Peterson, right? I mean... Especially, we, we were all there watching the Sunday night game. And we're looking at this guy who's actively tanking on national television. And to me, I thought that was, you know, the clearest sign yet. That he was clearly going to be back in the fold for 2021, right? Yeah. But this guy just, you know, embarrassed himself. Embarrassed the game. Embarrassed the National Broadcasting Corporation. You know, to improve a draft pick that he'll never get to see the rewards of. Um, which Crazy. Like, leaves me extremely satisfied because I thought it was atrocious to watch, but it's definitely surprising. You know, I think if I had to speculate, Doug Peterson just wanted a lot more autonomy than Jeffrey Lurie is willing to provide. And mm. I don't know that Lurie was wrong sort of from the micro lens, right? Like we heard Peterson wanted to promote press Taylor, you know, who was Carson Wentz's quarterback coach and, we know how successful we would say Carson Wentz's quarterback coach was this year up to offensive coordinator. He wanted to bring in their former defensive backs coach uh, to come in and coach the defense to replace Jim Schwartz. And he was the Lions defensive coordinator this year. You know, the one who coached Oof. the worst defense in the NFL. So really yeah. weird picks. I can see why if I'm Jeffrey Lurie, I would veto that. But, you know, we've seen now multiple coaches in Philly have issues with Howie Roseman, have issues with Jeffrey Lurie. It's just not a functional front office. I, I think that Doug was 
had probably lost the team to an extent, but I have no faith in Howie Roseman at this point. Mm. Um, you know, he's got them in cap hell. The contracts that he has signed have been really questionable. The draft pick record is frankly an abomination, especially right. at wide receiver. And, and, you know, from just like a personality perspective, it seems like whoever they bring into the building, he always seems to have issues with people. Right. So we have this sort of meddlesome owner with this mercurial and somewhat um, scattered in terms of his record general manager. I don't know what coach is going to want to walk into that really questionable environment with a quarterback controversy and a roster that is totally capped out. I think it's a pretty gross situation. Um, and overall, I was just surprised that they moved on and I'm, I'm, I'm perplexed as to the future of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, it's a wild situation. The quarterbacks, the receivers, you're right. I mean, Rieger doesn't, we don't know on him yet. And JJ, woof, big time woof. Billy, if you had to pick a coaching selection that wasn't Doug Peterson that had you thinking a little bit, a little surprised or a little excited for, which one would you say it would have to be? I mean, Doug Peterson is the obvious surprise that a person didn't end up being removed. Um, one person who I was kind of surprised they did end up taking out. I mean, I've yet in recent memory can't think of a a play that just gets chopped up directly to um, so many losses getting chopped up directly to a single coach. But every report I've heard out of their camp is that they absolutely love this guy was Anthony Lynn. Yeah. Um, I, I, as much as you can directly point to many of their losses this year and say that one, that one, that one are all directly on either poor clock management, poor choices late in the game. As much as that, I was kind of surprised he didn't end up uh, sticking around at least another year, getting another shot. One coach, though, and this is kind of the opposite end, I cannot believe Matt Nagy is coming back to Chicago. I know he is riding 2018 into the abyss. Like it, I can't <laughs> believe it. like they had a 12 and four record lost in the wild card and they've gone eight and eight the last two years. I just can't believe he's sticking around. I, I just can't believe it. And it's not even like you can sit down and say, well, you know, quarterback situation is rough. That was his job. He he his job was to this offseason. You can tell they were like, go out and pick your guy. And Nick Foles is here. And <laughs> did we like yeah. Nick Foles this year? Did no. we like Nick Foles? No, we no. did not. Nobody so, did. And then Trubisky had to come and mess it all up and look like a firecracker the yeah. last four or five weeks of the season. It's I cannot believe Nagy is back in Chicago. I really think that organization needs to start from the ground up and sell assets they can get because good Lord, they are going to be in purgatory forever if they continue down this path. Yeah. You got Mac Trevathan, man, a lot of guys that are getting up there Smith. in age. Yeah. Well, Hey, Roquan I mean, Smith is, is young, damn Smith good. is young, but yeah. they got some, they got some contracts to kind of locked into. Their offensive line, a lot of people talk about it. Montgomery really looked like that top freaking 10 dynasty asset on the wildcard weekend, didn't he? Against a decent yeah. defense, huh? That train really fell off quick. But I'm definitely surprised Nagy is back for sure. 
I mean, Patricia, let, let's run through it. Who was it? Patricia, gone. Peterson, gone. Lynn, gone. Uh, the interim in Atlanta, he's definitely not getting the job back. Who else is gone? We got Marone, he's gone. One more. Who am I missing? Have you, have you said Gase? I did say Gase. Oh. I, I think I said Gase. Didn't I say Gase? Well, hey, Gase is gone. So... Uh, at- Atlanta, Houston, Lions, uh, Jags, Chargers, Jets. There it is. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one I'm missing. Houston. So lots of good jobs, too. Like There are good jobs. Like Mm -hmm. Really good ones. Some odd candidates um, that are in the running for these jobs. And I say odd as in uh, Biennemi should be all of them, and he doesn't seem to be, and it's really weird. So... Before we get into the guy that's already been hired, let's talk about guys that might take jobs in different spots. Uh, we can just scratch Biedemi because I think all of us are in agreement he's going to stay in Kansas City, I think. Um, for different reasons, uh, he's taking the... Jacob, you had said he's taking the interviews, but they're just not hiring him. I was reading and had heard a couple of things that stated that teams are afraid to hire him or wait to hire him till after a Kansas City championship run, as obviously they're kind of the favorites, which obviously. And hiring a coach that late into the process puts you behind and blah, 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 blah. But I think that's a whole bunch of hooey. I think he's just in a Josh McDaniel situation. He's going to stay in Kansas City till Andy Reid retires, which I don't think can be that long. And inherit Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs and continue doing what he's doing. That's my opinion. Uh, he also could be getting the old, uh, the old, how do you do the old shaft there? Uh, who's a coordinator or former head coach that you think is definitely guaranteed to land one of these head coaching jobs? Billy, start with you. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit before the pod, and I'm going to continue to stand by it even on the air now. I really think Doug Peterson is going to end up with one of these jobs. Like it's, I know he just got fired and he got fired late too. So other pe- other teams are already interviewing people. I, I just think Doug Peterson, you, something, something weird happened in Philadelphia this year where something wasn't meshing with that locker room or something wasn't meshing with the higher ups in Philadelphia I, I just think there's a real chance he ends up either interviewing and ending up as a head coach for one of these vacancies or ending up with a either a high-ranking coordinator job somewhere in one of these offenses. Uh, just one second. We might have something breaking. Jacob, who do you have landing one of these jobs, uh, a coordinator or a head coach that maybe is a little bit out there, maybe it's something you see quite clearly? But uh, give us one. Yeah, I mean, I, first of all, I agree with Peterson. I think if he's a head coach, the Jets definitely make sense with Joe Douglas's connection there. You know, maybe he ends up going to the Colts and, uh, you know, some sort of assistant role or advisory role if he doesn't want to be a head coach this year. But I think if he wants a job, he'll have a job in the NFL. Um, in terms of the guy I, I'm looking to, Joe Brady would be top of mind, and I think he's the best hire this cycle outside yeah. of Eric Bieniemy. Um, if I'm a team, I would be very excited about getting Joe Brady. He comes from the Sean Payton coaching tree originally with the Saints. Um, he A lot of the design in that offense um, that Joe Brady helped work on with Payton, he brought to LSU. 
put together probably the best college offense in history. Obviously, the players he was working with there were exceptional. But even in Carolina, I really liked a lot of the concepts they were running. You know, Teddy Bridgewater, as much as he's one of my personal favorite players in the NFL, I admit is a subpar NFL starting quarterback. (laughs) Their line was a work in progress. And if you look at a lot of the stuff that they were running, they actually had a pretty quality offense this year um, in a lot of ways, even despite their record not looking so great. I think he's a very creative offensive mind. And I think we've seen now him have a success when he does have, um, you know, solid players to work with. So I think seeing Joe Brady go to any of these spots, you know, say like a Houston, for instance, with Deshaun Watson would be tremendous if, of course, Deshaun Watson stays in Houston. Um, right. You know, I think he could do wonders in Atlanta with uh, potentially a Justin Fields there or even just if they keep with Matt Ryan there. Yeah, he would be the guy probably at the top of my I list think, that I would want if I was a fan of a team needing a head coach. I think that uh, a lot of what I've seen is uh, Brady's a favorite for Atlanta, and I think they would be smart to keep Ryan and keep Julio there for Brady for his first year. I mean, first-year head coaches, when you give them rookie quarterbacks, I know that's like the fun thing. Give them a rookie, let them both develop together. It doesn't always work. You know, uh, Cliff and Zach Taylor and the all clearly struggling. You give Joe Brady an experienced coordinator, you know, a guy like Matt Ryan, for him, that's easy. Julio Ridley, Ryan, just get him a, get him a damn running back because Gurley was not it. Oh. And I have an idea with that one. Could you imagine with the way he uses his running backs the past game, him in Atlanta with Travis Etienne? Yeah, that'd be the yo. Yeah, you know what? And he knows him, right? So, oof. Yeah. The Falcons this year are a prime trade back candidate in the draft. They have so much open space that if they aren't going to pull the trigger on a quarterback to develop behind Matt Ryan for a year. I they should just sell off that pick and try and get yep. some deeper picks to just load up on talent because good god they have so many plays they have so many so many all star talents across the board yeah and they just need those little pieces yeah absolutely. and to stay healthy for Christ's sake yeah they stay healthy and you're right and that seems to be the thing with Atlanta every year oh if those defenders can stay healthy like Keanu Neal kept getting hurt uh, Jones keeps getting hurt their other safety blanking on his name but he keeps getting hurt their corners their defensive lineman Julio for Pete's sake if they just get healthy you're right with the right coach which I think has definitely held them back for a while definitely since Shanahan failed uh their coaching has just definitely held them back cuz that that division totally winnable yeah you you just I maybe once Breeze leaves, but oh, that's that is a scary division. You need to build up an offense, right? But you well, have but the an division, offense. The division there right is now. led by ancient people, right? Yes, yes. So if, if you, you get if you bring Joe Brady in and just inject that team with a fun offense that Ryan can just comfortably sit back and sling the ball, you're right. Get him a running back. I think they're at that point where they can get a running back in the second round. Um, you know, bring in another free agent to run behind him. Like, awesome. And then you keep Ryan and you keep Julio. You have Hurst, you just, and Ridley, and you just let him build that offense the way he wants. And then when Ryan is done, whether it's the year after or whatever, then you draft your guy. Your offense is in place. You know what you have. I think that's the better way to go. Then bring in Brady, trade Ryan for a fourth, which I saw. Hilarious. That's trade, gross. trade Julio for a third. Hilarious. 
and then draft a rookie and then have him sputter out. I like what the Indianapolis Colts GM said. And this is the kind of the reason why I think Brady doesn't need a rookie quarterback. He said, yeah, you guys all want me to, uh, I don't know the exact tweet. You um, guys all want me to get a quarterback. Then you'll be mad right. when, yeah. Right. And then I'm the first one out the door when he doesn't play well. Same effect for coaches. So why don't you ride your MVP for a year, build your offense, see what works, see what doesn't. I think I think it makes sense because you're right. He did really good with Teddy miss every throw to DJ Moore Bridgewater. So give him a better and more accurate quarterback in Matt Ryan. Yeah, he's not mobile and whatever. Obviously, he's kind of a tree, a little bit of a statue, but he moves around enough to get the ball out. And that's clear by how many yards he put up this year. You're, he's, you're gonna... he's mobile enough. Like, we've seen him in the Shanahan offense, which, right. you know, he was doing a lot of that bootleg action there, and that was the best, you know, he won the MVP that season, right? So it's right. not like he he can't function in that type of system. I mean, he was quite efficient in Steve Sarkeesian's system, who ran, you know, I think a more similar scheme to what we'll see out of Joe Brady. Exactly. Matt Ryan has always been really great in a system that prioritizes motion in the offense and throwing to the running backs and getting the ball out quickly where Matt Ryan struggles is when he's sitting in the pocket, getting pressured and all of a sudden he starts throwing up ducks. But when you get him, I think he's a slower version of Kirk cousins where sort of when he's in a system that makes sense, that's fluid, he performs quite well. And Dirk Cutter's offense is an abomination. It's just so stagnant. Oh yeah. The running game is non-existent. There's no motion. It's just people running routes. It's fine Julio. And it's it just fine doesn't Julio. Work. It's, it doesn't function. Like, it's not, right? Like, it's it's a series of offensive plays. It's not an offensive system. Yes. And Joe Brady runs well said. a cohesive offensive system like Kyle Shanahan ran. You know, like, and I know people hated Steve Sarkeesian, but he he ran a much better offense than than what we've seen at a dirt cutter. I, I think Matt Ryan would have success in that system, especially if they add you know, a running back. There's so many good running backs in the NFL and yet Atlanta has no one who's even replacement level. Right. And I think, I think that that could be it. You stock up the offensive line, you stock up the defensive front. They have a decent secondary when they all come back, if they could just please save their ACLs. Yeah. I think Brady in Atlanta makes a lot of sense. Where do we see some of these other candidates? Saleh. I think that's how you say it, right? Saleh. Sala. Sala. Um, Apparently, uh, Kubiak is going to be potentially out in Minnesota, which could be a little scary for for Dalvin Cook. I'm not totally worried because he's still awesome, but it seems to be wherever Kubiak goes when he leaves, the running game obviously isn't the same because that's what he does. But it's a possibility. But there's some other uh, coordinators interviewing for jobs. We know the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator has been interviewing. Arthur right, Arthur Smith. He's been interviewing. He's got a couple, as you said, uh, before the show, Billy. Uh, where do we see some of these other coordinators landing? Like, who do you think lands in Detroit? I Billy. think Detroit. Oh, sorry. Go, Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think Detroit probably feels like a Robert Sala destination. That's what I was right. going to um, say. I've just heard that they want someone who can coach defense in Detroit. Um, they haven't had. But I thought Matt Patricia that's... could coach defense. Right. Uh, they thought so, too. Uh, he <laughs> definitely can't. No. Um, I mean, when's the last time? Detroit had a functional defense that one year when Terrell Austin was their coordinator. Um, they don't have any talent on defense, which is, I think, maybe something that they should consider as to why they don't have a good defense, is they have, like, two good players. 
But uh, I think Salah, he's also just a guy that it seems like players love playing for. Like you watch yeah. him on the side. This is so anecdotal, but you watch him on the sidelines, how amped up he is, how much the players are so excited to go, you know, daff him up on the sideline after they get a, after they get a stop. He's just such a different vibe than Matt Patricia, who it seemed like the players couldn't stand playing for and who, you know, was the opposite of a player's coach, was really alienating people in the building from at least the reports that we heard. And I think getting someone like Sala to come in and really build a culture, you know, kind of like the similar effect we've seen out of Joe Judge in New York, where you can really get people to buy in to a system and to a plan. I think Sala, like, you know, this is like a more hand-in-the-dirt take than I usually give, but I just love the energy that he gives off. I think he's a guy that comes into a building and starts getting people to believe. And for a team like Detroit that has really been a wasteland for years, yeah. I think getting oh, a guy yeah. like Sala who can just bring a different energy to the city and to that building and get people to really buy in and build something, people wanting to play there and be proud of having that decal on the helmet, I think that's a big thing. And Sala's personality, I think, really fits what they need. I, I really like the idea of Sala going somewhere also for the same similar reasons as Detroit. Somewhere like Houston, I think. I mean, mm. that's a terrifying place to go right now with everything coming out with Watson. But someone who's able to build up a locker room, one, especially with how much hatred was built up for O'Brien there towards the end, but also someone who is a defensive genius to build up that defense because it's atrocious, and also an offense that really only needs a few smaller pieces. Are you saying Derrick Henry wouldn't like to see him on uh, on the other sideline? Because <laughs> Derrick Henry really likes playing against Houston right now. Oh, absolutely. I think everyone <laughs> likes playing against Houston. And what are you talking about Patricia breathes a bad culture? Come on. You don't want to see your coach bench a rookie for fumbling a ball for three games so we can run Adrian Peterson in the A-gap 27 times? Huh? That's not winning football? No, it's really not. So the 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 other name that I'm hearing a lot is Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles is getting a lot of interviews, and I don't know if that surprises me or if I'm happy about that. He did not do a great job in New York, and I'm not sure if it's because he, A, wasn't ready for a place like New York, the team in New York wasn't great. I Todd Bowles is an interesting, interesting candidate, but he keeps like, – he's taking some interviews. The other guys that I find hilarious, you got Jason Garrett taking – <laughs> interviews apparently right now and oh man a lot of weird candidates a lot of bad candidates and what amazes me is how many good coaches there are out there and yet these same guys just keep getting cycled for interviews and i just don't i don't understand i don't get it the one place that we haven't talked about yet is jacksonville and well that's because they got their guy they signed him Apparently he was asking for something like 12 or 13 million a year. Um, Respect. Yeah. To go there and ask your price. Yeah. And damn, they, as far as I know, because I'm pretty sure the details of that deal aren't known yet. If they will ever be known, he he might Belichick, Belichick that and just never tell anyone what he makes. Pretty sure that the Patriots just gave Belichick a, a black card and said, just whatever. But the details of that deals from what I understand aren't released yet. But from what I understand, it's going to be minty. He's walking into a great spot. I believe they have multiple first-round picks in Jacksonville. They have two stud young receivers. Hopefully Oliver can get his knees in check and he can come back. They're obviously going to they get the one-on-one. That's the big one. That is the big one. 
and he picked the right spot. They got the the you know hot button running back and James Robinson in the backfield. They will draft one, and they have some defensive pieces. Right, Jack is there. They've spent uh, Josh Allen is there, the defensive lineman, not quarterback, defensive lineman. You know, young stud player there. Great options. How do you guys feel about Urban Meyer and the staff? It looks like he's bringing in, coming in. I'm kind of off and on on it. I mean, Jacksonville is looking to do something they have not done for a while, and that's win games. And Urban Meyer has a history of doing that in the college game, but we've also seen coaches come up from college and just absolutely fluster in the pros as well. I I mean, Jacksonville has an impressive young core on that offense. I mean, LaVisca Chenault and DJ Chark are going to be a very fun pairing for years to come. Tra- top that on with the upcoming Trevor Lawrence pick that we all know is coming and James Robinson, the biggest surprise from last year. They have a impressive, impressive young core and a defense that they can just slowly start building up. Like they, I truly, truly believe, I mean, if Urban Meyer can bring his winning ways up there, the, the things that he did that added onto a team when he was in Florida, when he had a five and one record in bowl games and two BCS championships or Ohio state where he went four and one and one at FCS championship, Like the talent that comes around him tends to make Urban Meyer, but his coaching ability just amplifies some of these players. And we've seen Mm. them come Mm. up through the NFL now. Right. I mean, look at that 2014 Ohio State championship team. They are Mm. built with NFL talent. Right. I'm worried about him coming to the realization that he doesn't get an entire recruiting class. That's something that worries me about these, you know, Saban and Meyer types, even Dabo when he when he inevitably comes to the NFL. You get one, you know, two first round picks and you kind of got to make your way with the rest of free agents and undrafteds. And I'm not quite sure how first time head coaches from college can handle that kind of thing, especially from these big programs. Um, Jacob, how do you feel about his staff? And do you think his staff is going to help him be able to adjust to things like that? Or do you just think he's going to figure it out as he goes? We'll see. I mean, in general, I like it. Um, I think, I think that the NFL's hiring tree is usually far too narrow. Mm. So I, you know, I'm much more intrigued by seeing an urban Meyer hire. Um, no rhyme intended. Um, I'm much more yeah. intrigued by seeing someone like Urban Meyer come in than you know hiring an NFL retread like a Todd Bowles. Um, right. I don't know. I, I definitely don't think it's a slam dunk, right? I mean, we saw Chip Kelly. We've seen Steve Spurrier um, all the way back to, what was his name, Barry Shuler. Like we've, yep. we've seen these college coaches sometimes come in and really struggle. And oftentimes, you know, I do see – Urban Meyer definitely has a bit of a mercurial personality, right? Like he's a guy yeah. who doesn't stay in one spot for all that long. He's had some, you know, question marks here and there in terms of the ethical dealings of the programs that he's been at. I I don't know. I, I, I definitely don't know for sure if it's going to translate to the NFL, but I definitely think it could. And if you're Jacksonville, who's a franchise that's really trying to make more of a presence – I 100% see why you'd be entranced with the opportunity to hire an Urban Meyer. And I really like the direction of the franchise. I mean, I, I like the offense that they're building. 
the defense has a long way to go, but they have a ton of picks. And I think that their offensive talent is, is cl- pretty close to set. So I think they can focus, you know, 80% of their draft capital and salary cap room on the defensive side of the ball. The one thing I really don't like is is um, they, he's rumored to be hiring Scott Linehan, yeah. which seems like a ridiculous offensive coordinator hire. I mean, he's former Detroit Lions coach, um, former Rams, and then most recently with the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, this is like a very archaic offensive coordinator hire. I, I think Meyer will probably be doing a lot of the offense himself, I hope. But in terms of what Linehan's history is, is it's it's a lot of running on early downs right. and not a whole lot of inventiveness. Um, you know, he's he's had a good history, I believe, as an offensive line coach, but if this if he's sort of the the voice that Meyer goes to to adapt his system to the NFL, I am skeptical of that. But we'll see. It's a long way to go. And overall, I think it's a solid hire. I wonder if guys like Linehan are coming in to just help Meyer adjust. Like, just help him adjust to the NFL speed of coaching, what's expected of him, right? Because this is still a pretty big jump. I know college football and coaching, hell, even, you know, high school coaching that I did, it's quick, it's paced, and it's different the higher you get. So it is an adjustment. Maybe he's bringing in someone like Linehan, who he probably trusts, who had the experience in head coaching stops before to maybe help him out, rather than hire some young gun offensive coordinator you know, that maybe hasn't done it. So I think there maybe is a little bit of the, um, that kind of side to it too, as much as it may again, bore us to death, but I mean, Hey, more J Rob runs on first and 10 and second and 15. So that could be right. I mean, it's definitely like Meyer has been inventive and he's been an innovator. And I think if, if Meyer is sort of the philosopher behind the offense and Linehan is, you know, a guy with a lot of experience that can help him adjust. I think that could be a good pairing. So just the jury just is guidance. still out. Right. Yeah. Just guidance overall. So uh, just to put you guys on the spot, the hot, hot topic. And you guys both know where I stand on this, uh, <laughs> given my Twitter announcements, but Charker, Charker Chenault. I'm still going to buy into Chark. I mean, I've been a consistently higher or consistently rising fan of LaVisca Chenault and I was already higher on him than consensus coming in last year, but I just, I love DJ Chark, man, his body, his measurables, his ability to get downfield. Oh my God. Get that dude. A QB who could hit him. Not really. Mike, Mike oh, Lennon God. is great. Cause he can see 20 yards down the field, but that's <laughs> about, that's about it. So, the, my favorite play from Jacksonville last year was Chark being wide open by 15 yards on the sideline. Mike Glennon just like missed him and it went right to Chenault for a touchdown. I couldn't believe it. Jacob, that's where we stand. Where are you standing right here? Chark or Chenault right now? Yeah, I mean, it, I like both. And I think that the answer really yeah. is both. But I, I much prefer Chenault. Um, I prefer him straight up and at cost. Like I've done five startup drafts recently. And I think Chark has gone before Chanel in all of them, or at least wow. almost all of them. And to me, it's, I think, so at cost, certainly Chanel. And I would take Chanel over Chark straight up. I liked him more as a prospect coming out of college uh, and going into the pros. I liked Chanel a lot. I wasn't that big of a fan of Chark coming out. Um, I like what I saw out of Chark's year two, for sure. But, I mean, Chanel's rookie year was much better than Chark's rookie year. Um, I think That's injury, though. Yeah, uh, but I just, I don't know, I, at this point in their respective careers, 
I felt better about Chenault coming out of college. I feel better about right. him after his first year. Chark looked good last year, you know, not as great this year, although I think a lot of that was quarterback play. But I, I do have some concerns with Chark. Um, he was a much better separator last year than he showed to be this year. Right. I don't know that he's really a creator after the catch, certainly not the way that Chenault is. He's one of the best at that, you know, yep. in the entire NFL. I just think that Chark's game is somewhat one-dimensional. I mean, he's very fast. He's a good deep threat. Um, I don't know. I, as like a tall guy, he's pretty slim. He doesn't, he's not as strong at the catch point as I would like him to be as consistently as I'd like him to be with Chenault. I mean, he's a much stronger player, right? He's got about 25 pounds on, on DJ Chark. He's built identically to AJ Brown. He's not as fast, but he's much better after the catch. I just think Chanel has a much more variable game. And especially with someone like probably Trevor Lawrence, who's coming in, like he's right. not a quarterback who threw into contested catches ever in college. Like if you look at the offense that they ran at Clemson, well, everyone's always everyone wide was open. open, right? Everyone was yeah. open. Everyone was wide open. And Chanel is sort of that guy where he's just going to pop in space and then make things happen after the catch. Chark is more of a trust your guy type player. And I think it'll take a much more larger adjustment for Lawrence to get used to throwing to Chark okay. and it will to get used to throwing, you know, five yard slants to Chenault and then just let him try and make stuff happen after the case. So I, I prefer Chenault marginally straight up and by a lot at their respective costs. I, yeah, I, that's totally fair. I do want to throw this out. Uh, Chark is top 10 in the league in unrealized air yards and bottom 10 in the league in catchable target rate. So right. I, I think if there is anything that can benefit Shark more, it's an accurate, strong-armed quarterback. And right. good Lord, they're about to get one of the best ones that's, actually in a while. That should be every oh, it's, receiver. It's good news for Shark. Like, I, yes, I want to make that clear. Right? I mean, this absolutely. very good news for Shark. Trevor Lawrence like is Chanel better more. than Mike Lennon. I don't think we're going to bat against that. I just think Trevor Lawrence's game is very conducive to where Chark was failing last year. Yep. Or where, where Chark was failing in ways that weren't on him, I think is the way I'm trying to say that better. Yeah, I think that it's... I don't think you're going to be able to lose with either of those guys because, again, Jacksonville's going to have to throw the ball unless they continue to hand uh, James Robinson the ball 30 times a game down 20 points. But I think they're going to be down 20 points a lot because their defense is yeesh. Uh, let's talk Watson, guys. A lot of talk about Watson potentially leaving, getting shipped out, you know, J.J. Watt getting traded. Imagine that first day, like first little bit as a GM. See ya, J.J. And uh, Watson, see ya, buddy. Like, it's rough. So do you think he gets traded? And if you think he gets traded, where do you think it's going to be? Not where you want it to be, okay? Where do you think it'll be? Like, where's the most likely spot? For you guys. I mean, I personally said this earlier and I'm kind of standing by it is I don't really think he gets traded. I mean, I would love to see Deshaun Watson on a different team. I just don't really know to what extent he's actually going to be moved. If fair. I had to pick a place, if I had to pick a place, I think the 49ers I mean, obvi obviously the Bears are fun, but I think the 49ers are my favorite place. I mean, if you were a highly paid quarterback, where on earth would you rather want to go than a team that has a split uh, backfield of all running backs who want to catch the ball? 
Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, two very exciting, explosive yards after the catch players who are basically Swiss Army knives, both in their own right, and the top two tight end in the league. I mean, where else would you want to go? Drop Watson on the 49ers. I think they're back in the Super Bowl next year, or at least making a serious, serious competition for it next year. Jacob, what about you, man? Also, San Francisco yeah. with Watson is dirty. Oh, I mean, first of all, like, please let's get a quarterback to San Francisco. Like, I love Debo and Ayuk and Kittle, and like, they there's just no way they can pay off their ADP if it's Jimmy G. So I'm just I'm betting on talent and praying that they actually get a real quarterback in there who can you know get those three guys the ball. But this isn't the NBA, like. Like you, people don't just superstars don't get traded in the NFL the way that they do in From basketball. Houston. Um, yeah. Oh man, could you imagine Houston if they lost Harden and Watson? This, I, my, this, in like the, the next city will burn. My girlfriend lives in Houston and she is having a very oh, bad week. Oh, do we got breaking news? Oh boy, and and think about oh, the restaurant. Oh, the Jets get Saleh, Salah or Salah. Salah. Yeah, I'm gonna get oh, that wow. name right, but yeah. they the hired the guy. Wow. Okay. That's like I don't like that. I, I don't like it at all. There, I, hey, I mean, he's bringing that fire to New York, baby. Donald, you're staying put. He's gonna, he's gonna take. Where are they picking? They're picking second. They're he's picking gonna two. take. A, they're picking a defensive lineman. That's what's gonna happen. I, I, I do feel like Donald's stock is up with that. I just, I don't know. I really wanted the Jets to bring in like an offensive guru, either yeah. for Donald or for Fields. You know, or for Zach Wilson or whoever their quarterback is. I just want to is, see his staff. Is... I just want to see his staff. Let's see right. if he like, I, an offense coordinator. I believe in Salah. I hope that he brings on an OC that is going to bring young, exciting, innovative ideas because that Ooh. franchise has been starved for them for years. That is big. What? That what? is big news. What? Yeah. The live Sala hiring. Oh, the Sala news. I thought there was even. Yeah. More. No, no. Yeah, I'm just. Big news. I'm just thinking about it. I'm thinking about it it's right big now. Big news. I I want to see the OC hire. Like I said, I love Sala. What he. Hey, brings. Jets. They just... trade 102 for Watson, right? <laughs> and JJ Watt. Houston. Wow. Club. There you go. Do you think the hey. 102 is worth Watson? I, and JJ obviously, there'd Watt. be more. But hey, apparently <laughs> the Texans are about to cut JJ Watt. Days. So, yeah, I mean, he's 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 pretty dust at this point. Like, I love J.J. Watt, but his play... Hey, him and Quinn Williams back-to-back back could be... Hey, it's a big name. People in New York like that kind of thing. And they got that young, uh, that young secondary. Oh, God, yeah, what's his name? Saying, but I'm just saying. Marcus... Uh, Marcus anyway. Not Marcus Williams. Marcus May? Marcus May, yeah. Anyhow, um, Houston, no. Deshaun Watson's not going to go anywhere, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I just... They're going to figure it out. Like, he's under contract for a million years. He's not going to hold out. Uh, I don't understand why the organization has chosen to alienate him this way, but I think that they will find a way to figure it out. I think they'll re-sign Fuller. They'll talk it through with Watson. They'll get shit figured out, and and things will be probably meh going About into the same. 2021 because their roster sucks and they don't have any picks yeah. to fix it. But I, I think Watson's going to stick around there. I just don't really see the other options, but... Who knows? We'll see. It'd be exciting to see what if something changed, and I would absolutely love it if he went to the 49ers. Saul hire is interesting. We'll see. I, I mean, I, I love Robert yeah. Saul. This, this sort yeah. of reminds me of the Rex Ryan hire in a way, where yep. you sort of bring in this really boisterous, defensive-minded guy. 
I think Sala is is smarter than Rex Ryan. Oh God, maybe yeah. a little more tactful than Rex Ryan. And I hope that he brings in you know an OC that's not. Uh, who did Ryan have? I think he had Schottenheimer and then Morningweg or something. Hey, isn't there a like Schottenheimer that? that got fired in Seattle? You yeah, well, bring him on over to New York. Schottenheimer. The same oh. Schottenheimer. That's, ah, that was Rex Ryan's go. OC. He's, he's coming back to New York. Please no. Which I wouldn't. Please hey, no. Come on. Come on. Throw Chuck and Chuck football. Let's go. Oh, how, that would how, be rough. How That's quick is Frank Gore gone? Oh, oh God. He's already helped He's already door. gone. He's gone. <laughs> it's, it's done. He's, he's going to go to, he's going to go with Gase to the XFL. <laughs> if Gase, Guys, Gase is, is getting a the job. XFL. No, he's that's getting the best a job. End of this you story. think The Rock is letting a dude like Gase walk into his league? The okay, Rock would the, just slap the, the shit out of him. Every king needs a jester. Uh, hey, well, fair. I mean, is Gase even that? Adam can Gase, we just talk about? Frank hold on, Gore, can Toronto we? Just, 2021. Can, hey, hey, even we're not that dumb, okay? You leave, <laughs> you leave this great city of Toronto alone, okay? Thanks. You got don't, really Italian there. Don't need it. Toronto. Tarana. Don't need it. Hey, that's how we Deckle. say it. East Coast. Back here in Tarana with my Parmigiana. Okay, so I feel attacked now, okay? But that's how we say it on the East Coast. It's Tarana, all right? It's not Toronto, you weirdos. Anyway, moving on. Can we just talk about how a news outlet with one of the most onion-type uh, articles had everyone believing that Gase was getting a head coaching job in Philly? <laughs> like... I'm- there was the most onion news level uh, Twitter spam ever, and everyone just bit and got fired up. We saw it posted in in leagues that we are in, but just had to take a minute to laugh there at that. If that actually happens, man, I don't think he gets a job. But as anything more than like a shoddy coordinator, whoo, where are we at, guys? Twenty twenty was a Oh, it was a heck of a season. We had it was wild. We didn't know if we were going to get through it. We had many drafts. We all did many drafts. Our theories have completely changed since then. So, I want to do something as we go to close this hour out. We're at about forty six minutes here, forty five. So we want to keep this to an hour, hour ten. What is something that you learned in this twenty twenty season as a fantasy football player, as a fan, as a now analyst? You know, writers, like when we're breaking stuff down or we're looking into this draft season, what is something you learned from 2020 that you are taking and applying? Jacob, I want to start with you here. Yeah, biggest thing for me that's going to shift my process this year is, you know, on the morning of the NFL draft, I'm just going to cancel my Wi-Fi and I'm going to go off camping in the wilderness (laughs) until rookie drafts. I don't want to know what teams draft which players i don't want to know anything i my ranks prior to the nfl draft were so much closer to what my ranks are now than my ranks post nfl draft um you know guys like justin jefferson were much higher henry ruggs was much lower um ch moving up the board i i think that definitely like myself and as a community as a whole like we vastly overvalue draft capital and vastly overvalue landing spots. And it's definitely something that I want to scale back out of my process so much more. And part of that is going to be doing far more research on these prospects in 2021 prior to the draft happening. So that I'm you know, much more certain of my opinions on these guys before right. I see their name get called. And part of that's just going to be 
trusting my evaluation more, right? Like I, it was, it was definitely a thing last year where like I had rugs ranked, I can't remember exactly, but somewhere between, you know, six to 10 among my wide receivers, which is probably still too high, but that's sort of where I had him prior to the draft. And then Mayock takes him one. I'm like, well, I don't know. Who am I to say? I, I know more than Mike Mayock. I guess I should move him up to three. And I absolutely should not have moved him up to three. Like, but prior to the draft, right. I thought he was worse than Jefferson. I thought he was worse than Ayuk. I thought he was worse than Mims. Um, and, you know, I think, well, maybe we'll see with Mims, but clearly, you know, he was worse than Ayuk. He was worse than Jefferson. Right. So I think going forward, you know, I'm just going to trust the talent to win out. And I think that I did a good job of that in season with guys like Taylor, with guys like acres when they looked a little bit buried, but to get on that earlier, I think will help me. And I think it would help a lot of folks. Yeah, it's a good point, man. I mean, trust yourself. I think that's, a, I think at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to trust yourself in, in 2021. I mean, that's definitely a good, a good lesson to learn. Billy, what about you? What's something you learned in 2020? You want to apply this season in your uh, fantasy football? Uh, the first one, and this is something I learned like week three of this season, mm-hmm. is um, I'm going to be significantly less stingy with my fab. One thing that I <laughs> did throughout this season was every time the new hot player would come out, be it James Robinson, be it whoever, whoever you wanted it to be, my reaction all the time was eh, someone's about to pay 30 percent of their budget for james robinson that's ridiculous like i can't do that i'm gonna put down a five dollar bid and like call that a day and hold on to that for the next hold on to the other 95 percent of my budget for the rest of right. the season right and it's like when in early seasons when you see primed breakouts like that there are shots you need to take, especially if you have positional scarcity in those positions. But shots that should be taken on some of those players, like you kind of just have to pull the trigger and go out and get your guy, which I guess is always a draft philosophy, but now it's something that I'm going to start applying in season as well when I see something jump off the page that I think maybe is a little bit more of an anomaly. Yeah, man, I I definitely played it on both sides myself, so I know what you're talking about. I was definitely like, nah, I'm not going to believe it just because everybody else is. That was definitely a problem for me. Everyone else is hopping on this thing. I'm definitely not going to. I'm going to end up being, yeah, that's definitely a problem, especially when it comes to fab. But then I also blew my 100% fab budget on Denzel Mims, and I don't even know if he's going to be good. So, I mean, and that was in like week two. I remember that. Right. I was like, oh, I can't believe somebody did that. And then now I'm like, well, he was kind of useless all year and I couldn't pick anybody up. So absolutely understand the thought process there. For myself in 2020, I'm going to be less of a curmudgeon. Uh, uh-huh. This is something that I've started to do. I mean, you look at the teams that I've drafted. I've done two in this uh, offseason so far, and the teams look nothing like they did before. And uh, I think that it's important to understand when you're being a curmudgeon for the sake of being one. And I've slowly started to turn that around and start to accept players that I just weren't as high on before. I mean, I traded Aaron Jones for Cam Akers straight up twice. That's not something I was doing in 2020. Let's be real. 
I was taking that guy that I knew. I didn't care about Acres. Like he's young, he's not going to be. I'm opening up, and I think that's important. Know when you're being stubborn for the sake of being stubborn. Loosen up a little bit and invite some new insight in, and it will change your fantasy football outlook for sure. And uh, just generally, I just want to be a curmudgeon anymore. We're going to open that up. Second thing, because I, I mentioned to you guys, two. So we're going to pick two each uh, of things that we learned for now, and maybe we're going to revisit this later when we kind of sort of start to run stuff to talk about. So, uh, Billy, what was the second thing that you learned in 2020 that you are going to apply this season? Uh, I'm going to break kind of my own philosophy, something Ooh. I enjoy doing, something I like taking later on in drafts, is I like taking, th- in, especially in Dynasty startups, I like taking two, three, maybe four shots at the tight end position. Going into last year, I was in on taking shots later on in drafts at players like Hayden Hurst, Johnu Smith, uh, Jared Cook is one of them. I set on one of my drafts much later on, uh, Eric Ebron, like significantly later on in drafts. But it just reaches a point where, good Lord, if next season, if I can get Travis Kelsey in the middle of the second round or Darren Waller in the middle of the third, early fourth or something like that. I'm just, I'm going to break my own philosophy of hammering Arby's early on. And I'm just going to bite on Kelsey or Kittle or Waller because they're just worth it at this point. Like it's, it's basically playing two players at your tight end compared to the three, four other people in your league who are sitting there and playing your Dalton Schultz, your Noah Fance, your Gronks, your uh, Evan Ingrams, Jimmy Grahams. The list goes on and on and on. The exponential uh, value you get from taking Kelsey, Waller, Kittle early on in your drafts and still sneaking a value is absolutely ridiculous, the amount yeah. of plays you can pull. Yeah. I, no, I like... I usually get mocked for taking tight ends early, sometimes too. But it you're right. I mean, there's only so much Hayden Hurst that we can all draft and and um be disappointed then. Yeah. Well, hey, I think he finished as a top ten tight end, so eh. Yeah, he but, also I mean he also, also not hard finished to do. like seven points away from being the number seventeen tight end. <laughs> Like the, this hasn't uh, been this hasn't been talked about enough. The, in PPR scoring, fantasy points from 140 up to 150, just that 10 point range spans tight end eight to tight end 16. Oh my god! The difference between <laughs> Rob uh, if you didn't have Kelsey or Waller, who cares? Yeah, the difference between Rob Gronkowski, Noah Fant, Hayden Hurst is less than 10 points to Johnny Smith, Evan Ingram, and Eric Ebron. So, oh my God. Enjoy those, boys. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I remember when Mike Kosicki was like in the mid-20s, and then two games later, he was like tight end six. Right. <laughs> like, it takes so little. I remember Eric end. Ebron had yeah. that one like 
15-point game in the middle of the season and was all of a sudden the tight end five in PPR. <laughs> and you were just victory lapping the shit. Oh, absolutely. Logan <laughs> Thomas finished tight end three, guys. I know. I know. It's you, You're totally right. It's wild. And it, it get the tight end early. And I, I'm, we're already seeing it in drafts, right? Yep. Yep. Like you've already started to see Kelsey Kittle, Waller, and Andrews all go by the, the end of the fourth round, which is... I was getting Andrews in the fifth, sixth round last year in startup. So now even him on a down year for him, for what we've seen so far out of him, and he's still getting taken that early. Like it's Hawkinson, all those guys, wild. But I think there is a wave of tight ends we can finally be happy with. And then obviously Pitts, um, everyone's uh, consensus dynasty tight end one apparently is uh, is on his way, right? So Jacob, what was the second thing you learned in 2020 that you're going to apply? Yeah, I'm going to talk about the timing of when to trade draft picks and, you know, later round prospects. I think one of the things that I that really hurt me the most in a couple of leagues was, you know, we do the startups and I'm a person really that values picks more than most. Like I have far more than the average allotted in, I think, all four rounds across all of my leagues going into 2021 drafts. But it killed me when I look back and I see some of the moves that I made with draft picks, you know, at this time of the year coming out of a startup or coming off of just starting the off season. Once everyone in your league sort of knows the names of these players, once there's that random running back or random wide receiver that no one really thinks is all that great right now, but they go to a perfect landing spot. They start getting hyped up the board. Once everyone realizes how many quarterbacks are in this class in particular and how many players are going to get pushed to the late first into the second, the draft picks just become more valuable. And I'm not even saying necessarily that the trades you would make now with your draft picks are bad. Maybe they're fine. And the ones that you could make on draft day are insane. But in my view and my experience from last year, unless you're getting a deal that you think is just an absolute smash, where you're getting a player who you also think is going to ascend in value as we move towards the draft, I would do everything in your power to not move your 2021 picks until after the NFL draft, because those picks will only go up in value. Nothing bad can happen to them. They can't get hurt. They can't get arrested for a DUI. They can't um, have a free agent signed to them. They can't lose their coach. They can only go up in value. And especially your 22 picks, Right? Nobody wants 22 picks right now at all. Everybody just wants the 21 picks or they want the rookies that just finished their season right after the rookie draft. That's when you can start considering moving 2022 picks. Just wait until the season starts when people's teams start to be less great and they actually want those 22 picks. The patience on the picks is huge. And specifically, whoever you end up taking in the third round, fourth round of your rookie drafts, just completely don't even consider trading them all summer. Because... Yep. We saw it last year with a guy like an Antonio Gibson, you know, when when guys gets removed, right? Like I that I oh that crushed gosh. me. I got Gibson super cheap from Tom, and then I moved him, you know, right away because I was like, okay, well, whatever. He's a third round value, and you know, Claypool, same thing. Jalen Hurts, whatever. Whoever these guys that you take in the third round, fourth round, they really haven't. Like if you look at the ones who did nothing, right? Anthony McFarland or Devin Duvernay or. I don't know, guys like KJ Hamler did more than nothing, but not a whole lot. Brian Edwards even. Like, their value hasn't dropped that much. 
because they were never worth that much in the first place, right? All they are Mm -hmm. is like a dart throw upside. So in their first year, in their first offseason, their value can really only go one way up. There's just no use in moving that kind of asset as the throw in in a deal. Like make the throw in a veteran, make the throw in even a future pick or something. But like those pieces can only go skyrocketing in value or they just plateau. But I just definitely hold those guys into the season. You see what they become and hold the draft picks, you know, right up until the draft day when you can get the maximum amount of value for them if you want to trade them. Yeah, I, I fell victim to that myself. I traded Herbert. I traded, you know, I traded a bunch of rookies. That's I'm going to piggyback off of what you said for my second uh, lesson for 2020. Stop trading rookies. God, so many of my teams are half screwed right now because I gave up on rookies way too early and I tried to recoup them when their values were already probably too low and I overspent, you know, like picking up Rieger for, you know, okay, picking up Rieger for Rojo is whatever, but I picked them up in a couple other leagues after he had already been struggling. So yeah, I got them on cheap, but people weren't going to just bail on their value. I didn't maximize, you know, when I was picking up rookies I traded a bunch away and tried to correct the mistakes by getting other ones and overpaying for them. Stop giving up on rookies so early is something that I just, I have to just write on a post-it note and just slap it onto my computer, right? Like, it, it's a problem. People give up on rookies all the time. I mean, look at what you got Jonathan Taylor for in uh, one super fun league that we're all in that we were all really happy to wake up and find out. Um, Leonard you know, Fournette and then. Antonio Brown. I know. Unfucking believable. But good for you, by the way. But don't give up on rookies. It screwed me in the past. It's I'm still dealing with it now. I'm holding on to my rookie picks, like you said. I'm really trying to to change my methodology here. And honestly, I look forward to finally being able to make some draft picks. Because boys, I traded a lot away last year. And I'm not doing it. I'm not giving up on my rookies. We're just going to keep believing in the process as we move forward. So, (laughs) sorry, laughing at the old old chat here. Guys, uh, we had some more breaking news. We kind of got some news on uh, the Jets hirings. A little more clarity, the offensive coordinator. Uh, brother of Matt LaFleur. We're getting Mike LaFleur as the OC in New York, apparently. How do you guys feel about the hire? I mean, it's pretty hilarious. Like, he could end up being a great hire, right? But we've been making these jokes for two years now where it's like anyone who would be invited to Sean McVay's wedding is eventually good enough to become a head coach in the NFL. Like, the fact that we now have a Mike LaFleur that no one even knew existed, (laughs) who's, like, brother of Matt LaFleur, who once worked with McVay, it's becoming a little much. Um, But Mike LaFleur is the passing game coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. So, obviously, you know, similar to his brother Matt, he's in that Shanahan, McVay, Kubiak style of offense that is, you know, proven at least at this point to be sort of the most efficient and cohesive offensive system in the NFL. Um, it seems like every, you know, sort of knockoff McVay or knockoff Shanahan, you lose like 5%. Um, but we've now seen, you know, Matt LaFleur have a lot of success as the head coach in Green Bay. Yeah, baby. We haven't really seen enough out of Zach Taylor yet to say one way or the other, but we'll see how that goes. Um, 
I don't know. I, I think it's a fine hire. Like I conceptually, I enjoy watching the Shanahan offense. Um, I am skeptical a little bit of just how many, you know, knockoff Shanahan's can actually be successful in the NFL until eventually it's just a person who's read the same playbook, but isn't really as innovative, but we'll see. I, I've never met Michael floor. I've never seen him run an offense. I have no reason to think he isn't capable, but it, it is just a little bit humorous to me that all of these teams that are chasing innovation are sort of just taking like the six degrees of separation from someone who's now running the most popular offense in the NFL. It's, it's a little bit backwards to me, but um if it works, it's a good system. Obviously, it's quarterback friendly. I think eventually defense will figure it out, and we'll see how we can adjust from there. Right. Absolutely. Billy, anything to add, or is that pretty much uh, putting the hammer on the nail? Nothing really. I mean, I have no terribly strong opinions of Mike. I mean, he's oh, made... Oh, first name basis. Yep. I oh, mean, I know, me I know Mike. You know, I haven't <laughs> known Matt for two years now, and Matt now Ooh. becoming one of my best friends. Right. Uh, Insider. He, me and Mike have gotten a little bit close. Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's, he's created a passing game in from the 49ers that's worked despite itself. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is sitting there. He's made Nick Mullins, one of the most successful QBs in his first 16 starts, which I think is still one of my favorite stats ever. Uh And CJ Beathard, like he he's been able to playable yeah he's been able to coach despite qb talent so i think it'd be interesting to see what he's going to be looking at if they do end up taking someone like fields or maybe wilson as he's climbing draft boards strangely uh it'd be interesting to see what they look like and i also kind of like the move for someone like mims who's just an athletic monster but I, I'm just not excited about that offense till there's more talent on it. I, I think I need to see what they do in the draft before is I this, is get this wheels up for is this wheels up for 2020 fantasy darling Chris Herndon? The like obviously the tight end role in San Francisco was kind of a big deal. Stop. Right? Stop. Hey, Chris I'm just, terrible. Hey, Chris I'm Herndon just is terrible. Hey, his last game with New York with Gase, he blew the roof off and gave everyone hope again in twenty twenty one. So I mean, maybe you're gonna get no, the role for Herndon. They have they have a lot of draft picks, and I'm sure that Brevin Jordan <laughs> or Pat Fryermuth will look fantastic in that offense. Chris Chris, Chris Herndon <laughs> is dead to me, and so is duplicate player. If you if you play on Sleeper, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I I love this. I love uh, hearing this, just because I know. Come, you know, March. Come June this year that exact line is going to be given on podcast for why in deeper dynasty leagues chris herndon should be rostered like i I just i can't (laughs) wait i can't wait to hear it oh i know it should be noted kittle was pretty good so don't you think uh yeah exactly chris herndon (laughs) no what actually what if they bring in robert tunyon because he's a ufa yeah maybe maybe Robert Tunyon. Okay, this, I don't think right. he's leaving Green Bay. Though. We're we're getting right. we're getting very narrative driven. Uh, Robert Tunyon, Tunyon, Gerald Everett, Tunyon the, the wrote like a, has a lot of tight ends. Tunyon wrote like a ten thousand word essay about his love for Green Bay and his want to stay there for the rest of his life. 
Um, so oh, unless wow. something horrible happens, I think Tunyon is probably. Yeah, staying. I mean, he's like in New York or stay with Aaron Rodgers. Re- remember, last year, it is. remember last year going into the season when everyone was like, Alan Lazard is a sneaky play. He had Thanksgiving with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Like that, that's Tunyon now. Tunyon and him are buds. Yeah. I mean, when you catch what, what is it, 11 touchdowns on the season from Aaron Rodgers, kind of somewhat out of nowhere after like week four? I think Rodgers kind of wants to keep you around. So I think he, I think that says the most about where Tunyon's going to go. But you're right. There's Everett. He's going to be a free agent, most likely. There, you, I don't see them bringing him back in uh, in L.A. So, yeah, you're right. There's options. But let's be real. It's it's Chris Herndon. I mean, let's, you know, we're just going to throw it out there for 2021 hopes once again. Guys, that's everything we have on the run sheet right now with a little bit extra with the news. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, the 14th. It will be released Friday, the 15th. So you all would have heard this already, but... We're here for you anyway, until we start doing these live, which is kind of in the plans. So, guys, I just want to give everyone an opportunity to let everyone know what you're working on. Billy, what are you currently working on, and where can they find it? Yep, so currently I my plan for what's my big project and what's going to occupy me for the next couple months outside of my thesis is I'm going to be scouting out basically all the top prospects from the 2021 class. I posted a thread on my Twitter um, following Terrace Marshall uh, yesterday. And Cobb, you're right. He's great. Um, My next upcoming one is going to be Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm very excited to read up on him, learn a little bit more about him. Uh, Also, I'm planning on getting working on some of the statistics work here for the Full Tilt website. So... Perfect. Y'all can look forward to that with my six years of coding experience. <laughs> there we go. Going to put it to use because we all know this guy ain't doing it. Jacob, what do you got on the run right now? Yeah, we got some exciting stuff. Um, Billy mentioned my love of Terrace Marshall. So I am newly working with joinourcirclefantasyintervention.com. That's where you can find my article uh, part one of my series on applying the Pareto principle and market principles in general to optimizing your dynasty rosters. Uh, we'll have a new installment out probably next week, and that'll just keep coming all the way through the off season. We're going to do beyond that first one. We're going to talk about how to optimize for rebuilders, nice. how to apply this to contenders, and how to apply this to your 2021 rookie drafts. Also starting a new series with Zach Block, um, at Fantasy Intervention, we're calling it the Intervention Stock Exchange, where we're going to pick a player that we deeply disagree on and talk about whether we're buying more stock or whether we're selling their stock. And we've got some quick shots coming out uh, with Fantasy Intervention. I got one coming out on Terrace Marshall and one coming out on Devontae Smith, and there'll be more coming soon. Also, we've got, of course, at Full Tilt, the Fire New Graphics. I just tweeted out my new profile pic. It's the greatest thing ever, if you guys haven't <laughs> seen it. The hat is off. Uh, <laughs> the hat, hat is rack. off. And uh, yeah, uh, we'll, uh, I'll turn it over to you, Tom. So for myself, again, recently joining um, fantasyintervention.com, join our circle underscore on Twitter. Uh, very, very, you know, interesting people. I mean, it's it's a wild group. 
loving every minute myself. I got a quick shot on Hollywood Brown that I'm shooting this weekend. It's going to be a little bit different, a little bit fun. Um, everyone should uh, hopefully enjoy it. I have an article that I am also currently working on about how to uh, look beyond basic statistics for quarterbacks to kind of pick your guy and how to apply a little bit of film theory, a little bit of metrics, and a little bit of statistics to really help narrow down the guys that you're looking for. Because there's a lot of stats out there, but we don't always know how to apply them, which ones you kind of want to be avoiding, and which ones look really good on the surface. So that should be out in uh, should be out this week. Uh, well, I say next week, sorry. Uh, so you should be able to read that by the next episode, and you'll be able to find that again on uh, Fantasy um intervention.com and of course working on the full tilt um dynasty podcast website guys we have our our um url we we have our our pay our domain it's official it's a thing i mean as you can see we got the new graphic like jacob had mentioned we finally got it it is an official thing we are moving forward to think that this whole project started with me recording into just a note, uh, an audio note recorder, and posting it for a, a league of record to where we are at now. It's been a crazy climb, and it's only climbing from here. Uh, thanks to everyone who has listened, given us feedback, sent in questions, which also you can do. If you have trade questions, if you have you know, pickup questions, Rookie questions, you got the guys here. We're going to answer them for you. If you get them to me or any of the guys in the DMs, we are going to address them, and we're going to try to get to all of them. We start getting enough, we're going to do more shows. And as for right now, the off-season schedule, the way it's looking, episodes will, will, wow, buddy, will be released every Friday. Our schedules are all lining up for once. Holidays are all done. Everyone's back where they're supposed to be. People's houses are put back together. I have heat running through here again. It's fantastic. So it's all going to come together, okay? Appreciate the support. Looking forward to more of it. Lots of exciting news as we've seen even just tonight. So take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And always remember that there's just one most important thing. There's a fight going on out there, gentlemen. Why don't you get in it? Clear eyes, full hearts. (laughs) 